Saturday will mark three weeks since the Hamas terror attacks in Israel. We're seeing more and more ripple effects across the region. On Thursday, the U.S. carried out airstrikes against two facilities in Syria linked to Iranian-backed militias. The Pentagon says they were in response to a series of drone and rocket attacks against U.S. forces in the region and says they were separate from what's going on in Gaza. But it certainly won't help lower the temperature. Meanwhile, Israel's military conducted what it called targeted raids in northern Gaza for the second night in a row as it prepares for a larger ground operation. All the while, the death toll continues to soar in Gaza, and violence is spreading across other parts of Israel as well. In addition to Israel's fight against Hamas in the south and Hezbollah to the north, we're also closely watching increasingly volatile situation in the West Bank. Israeli forces have increased incursions into the occupied territory, targeting what they say are Hamas operatives. The Hamas-controlled Palestinian... Today, what's going on in the West Bank? From CNN, this is Tug of War. I'm David Ryan. Sarah Seidner is one of the anchors of CNN News Central. She has been in Israel since the war broke out, and she has a lot of experience in this region. She was based in Jerusalem about a decade ago. And over the last week, she's been reporting about what's been going on in the occupied West Bank. I called her up on Thursday night and asked her to tell me about it. The West Bank is what is supposed to be part of a Palestinian state, an official, officially recognized Palestinian state. Um, it, it has been sort of carved up in different ways by settlements, by Jewish settlements. Um, but ultimately, the Palestinians want that part of the country to be theirs and officially recognized by the rest of the world. And what you normally see is this back and forth fight between Palestinians and uh, some of the Jewish settlers uh, who come into the West Bank, they believe, the Israeli settlers believe, that the land is their biblical homeland and is biblically called Judea and Samaria. But the Palestinians are like, this is our land. Um, It's been clear by international law that this is our land, and you are basically stealing it. And now what is happening since October 7th is there is a, a real deep-seated fear that has been exploded, is the word I'd use. Hmm. Before this, there were um, deadly attacks. Uh, There have been Palestinians who have killed settlers. There have been settlers who have killed and maimed Palestinians. And recently, since October 7th especially, there has been a wave of Palestinian death in the West Bank. And so in these settlements, what is the mood there now? Like, what did you see? We went to one settlement uh, called Kiryat Netafim, um, and we spoke to an Israeli settler inside Kiryat Netafim. His name was uh, Natan Dua. We need to protect ourselves because uh, we're surrounded by people who don't necessarily like us. Hmm. I didn't feel like... And he was living a regular life. I mean, he has three kids, three young kids. Uh, We saw him on a playground pushing one of his children on a swing, but he was wearing his full uniform with his gun. Hmm. And so we asked him what he was doing, what his life has been like. 
Andy said since October 7th, everything has changed. That day, October the 7th, was Shabbat. At the end of Shabbat, we say a, a prayer and... Sorry. It's okay. Some of it is... is um, What's the prayer? You know, asking... Asking God to, to help us and, and to, to keep our children safe and to keep our soldiers safe. And some of these words, I just couldn't say them because, you know, we weren't safe on October 7th. Before October 7th, he worked in his factory alongside Palestinians. He said they had deep conversations. He considered them colleagues, um, neighbors, and some of them friends. Um, but because of what happened on October 7th, his whole inner thoughts changed about his security. I didn't feel like I have to go fight, but definitely defend my home. He decided instead of working at the factory, he was going to re-enter the army. He called up the draft office and immediately re-entered the army and his role is actually to protect his settlement so he is armed and wearing the army clothing alongside several other men from the settlement and from outside the settlement who have come to protect the settlement it is already fortified but now there are regular patrols that you will see men wearing fatigues military fatigues with large guns the Palestinians, of course, see this um, as aggression. They see this as, you know, another slight. Right. I was going to ask because for them, they didn't have anything to do with the attack. And now they're seeing all this beefed up presence. They see Israel's military coming in, doing operations. And I mean, how do they feel about that? They are incensed. They are upset. They are angry and frustrated. And we went to Ramallah, which is the uh, capital, if you will, which is Ramallah holds the government of the West Bank. And Hanan Shrawi uh, used to be a government official with the PLO. Um, and she has been a strong Palestinian activist for many decades and is now a professor. They tell you that, Afrit, why are you committing a war crime? Why are you living on Palestinian land, illegally, just because Israel tells you you can. This is and the way she sees this is she gets so upset when she hears that settlers feel that they are in danger because she said, you're afraid you're on internationally designated Palestinian land. If you go to courts, you cannot get redress, you cannot have due process, you cannot have accountability for Israel. If you uh, protest non-violently and so on, you are shot at, you are imprisoned. And so they left only one venue, one avenue, actually, which is armed resistance. And that argument is used again and again because international law says these settlements are illegal. And so she sees this very much as um, a way to break the Palestinian state apart, so there never will be one. And so this argument is going to just keep going on forever and ever, but you are seeing an explosion of violence, mostly against Palestinians in the West Bank. At the same time, 
Israel is bombing Gaza over and over and over and over again. And so Palestinians see this as they constantly call it a genocide. And Israel, of course, doesn't see it that way at all. Israel sees it as defending itself after what Hamas did on October 7th. In the end, the language, the words used, they do matter. Um, but the feelings across Israel and the West Bank and Gaza um, have been heightened in a way that we haven't seen for a long time. I'll have more with Sarah Seidner after the break. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number Smart Beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support, your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number Smart Beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. We're back with Tug of War and my conversation about the West Bank with CNN's Sarah Seidner. And I asked her next about how the Israeli government is approaching its relationship with those settlers. I mean, what we're seeing from this particular Israeli government headed by Prime Minister Netanyahu um, is a government that is far more forgiving, even encouraging uh, the settlers to be on this land. Israel's national security minister announced that he had purchased 10,000 guns that were going to be handed out to armed civilian security teams. And he himself began passing them out. Wow. And so you see this you know, big table of guns and it's there being handed over and some of the people getting them are settlers. Um, and it is quite a scene for the people in the Palestinian territories to watch uh, because they know that that could mean their death one day. That could mean an incident um, where they are hurt, maimed, or bullied, or scared out of their homes one day because that has happened. On the other hand, the settlers see it as their way of protecting themselves uh, because there have been incidents of Palestinians who have um, come after settlers. Hmm. It seems like that it's kind of like a microcosm of this entire wider conflict playing out, you know, in these settlements, in these communities. And I know that there's been a lot of anger, you know, on the streets and in protests, and, and you've seen some of that yourself. How would you kind of sum up where things are now almost three weeks after the attack on October 7th? There is always a low burning anger that is in Israel and in Palestinian territories. October 7th exploded that. In this particular settlement, one of the women in the settlement who was an attorney who had five children 
and wanted to raise her kids there, said, look, the land was inexpensive. We wanted a house with a yard. That's what we could afford. We went there. Liat Hartov raised her kids there for 24 years and had never seen any kind of violence, um, not from the settlers to their neighbors or their Palestinian neighbors to the settlers. And she talked about them being friends. And hmm. But this has all changed because of October 7th, even though it wasn't her neighbors that perpetrated this attack on Israel. Um, but there is this deep sense of mistrust. Right. That's what kind of strikes me is that for the people that survived or are far away from Gaza and the kibbutzim where all this happened, it seems changed. Like it can't go back to the way it was. And it wasn't all that peaceful to begin with. That's exactly the way I would put it. Something has broken. And she said that. I lived here for 24 years. I never feared. And now? Something is cracked. I think every mother in Israel these days feels the same. That something is not the same anymore. Something has changed. Something has broken. And I don't know if we're ever going to get past it. Hmm. And that is, you know, the sentiment that ripples throughout, throughout Israel and throughout the Palestinian territories, because a lot of the Palestinians are watching and they're looking at it. And there are certainly people who support Hamas, but there are certainly people who do not support Hamas who are Palestinians. And what they see is a inflection perhaps, with this particular government in Israel and this particular attack by Hamas on Israel. We are the people of the land. We will stay here. We're the indigenous people, and we're going to stay here, no matter what Israel tries to do. All of the people that I spoke with said they cannot see any kind of two-state solution happening anytime soon, and they certainly don't think there's going to be peace, true peace with their neighbors anytime soon. Tug of War is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Anna Sterla and me, David Rind. Our senior producer is Haley Thomas, Dan DeZula is our technical director, and Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of CNN Audio. Special thanks to Caroline Patterson, Lisa Namoro, Robert Mathers, John Dinora, Jameis Andrust, Nicole Pesaru, Katie Hinman, and Wendy Brundage. We'll be back on Monday with another update. In the meantime, you can always head over to CNN.com or the CNN app for the very, very latest. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.